Awesome. All right, guys, we're really quick. We're going through the book of James, and I'm gonna, we have a small piece today. I'm going to take about 10 minutes to go through this, and then I'm going to have Byron come up, and we're gonna, he's going to close our service by serving of communion um, to each one of us. So, Lord, bless this word as we study it, that we might hear from you what you want to speak to us, each and every one, no matter what age and no matter what place in our whole, this whole church thing, Lord. We pray that you would meet us where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through the book of James. Pastor Kevin talked about the first half of chapter 4 last week. And I'm going to do the second half in 10 minutes today. Um, can someone come up here and read this for me? I have the spelling correct in this because I copied it from the Bible. Steve. All right, cool. Just read down to that line. This is ch James chapter 4, verses 11 to 17. You can turn there in your phone if you want. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. <clears throat> why you, <clears throat> excuse me, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And it is, and as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such blessing is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And thanks, Steve. So I titled this message, The Good We Ought to Do, or The Good You Ought to Do. And um, we'll just go through this back really quick. The first part of this says, don't slander one another. And anyone who speaks against a brother or judges them is a judge against the law. And so slander is when you make damaging or false statements about somebody. And God's teaching, God's word throughout the Bible says, like, hey, that's wrong. And so his point here is pretty simple, that when you are doing that about other people, when you're slandering other people, when you're attacking other people like that, you're breaking the law. Therefore, you're speaking against them and you're speaking against the law. Because in a way, the way you're acting is saying, that law you said, God, that doesn't apply to me. I can do whatever I want. Example, say this mean thing or slander about this person. And if you remember James 2, it said, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So breaking the law is something that has been a theme that we've been going through. And then he goes into that there's only one lawgiver and judge. And that's not you and it's not me. <laughs> this is where the Sunday school answer is. Who do you think that is? God. That's Jesus. Yes. And so if you remember Jesus teaching Matthew, because we say book of James is James's brother putting Jesus' teachings into kind of some application. In Matthew 7, uh, I'll just paraphrase. This is the whole thing about the plank. I've, we've read this even recently. Like you, you try to get the, plank, get the plank out of your own eye before you worry about the sawdust in somebody else's eye. Obviously, that's hyperbolic language. But the point is, you know, let me take the speck out of your own eye. Or, you know, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You're hypocrite. You hypocrite. 
First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to move the speck from your, your brother's eye. So is there a speck? But is there also a plank? And that's the whole point that he's talking about. He's not saying that everything everybody does is good or okay. He's also not saying that you won't notice. Like, you're halfway there. Like, yes, this person being mean, is that's wrong, you know, and... And, he's, and so he's not talking about us all being like polite and pretending like everything's fine. And I can tell you that because like, just if you could quietly imagine, what's like recently the worst thing you saw somebody do to someone? I mean, for real, like think about that. Now, do you think that's okay? Do you think God's okay with that? Do you think God would say, that's no big deal, just pretend like that didn't happen? No, exactly, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is self-righteousness. Where, and just to paraphrase, just so we have the idea, is, you know, it's that seeing that wrong thing, pointing out that wrong thing, and attaching a little piece at the end, like a little addendum. And I notice that because I'm so much better than you. You see what I'm talking about? If you need an example of this, go on Facebook ever, and you will see people doing this continually. You know, Twitter's worse. Twitter's worse. I'll give you that. But point is, this is the whole thing, you know. A lot of t- yeah, people are going to do wrong things. People are doing wrong things. Jesus is going to judge those wrong things, the things we do and the things everybody else. It's not okay. But when we stand there in a den, like, I'm so glad I'm not like this person over here. You know what I mean? There's, that's the part that he's talking about because he's giving us a perspective here. And that's where he moves into the second part of this. Now, listen, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year here carrying on business and make money. Well, you don't even know what will happen in your life tomorrow. What is your life? It's a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. So everything I'm saying about like what we're going to do next year, put that in this category. This is the plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, sh- we are saying if it's the Lord's will, we will do all of that. Okay? So there you go. But the, uh, um, the perspective he's trying to give you here is, though this may come as a surprise, the world does not revolve around you. Now, we believe that when we tell that to our children, but now God is saying that to all of us. He's like, guess what? The world doesn't revolve around you. You're not that important. And I will say more on that later, but he uses an illustration. And since I've been killing it today in illustrations and such, I have an example of mist. Because he's like, you are but a mist, which is that. (laughs) And it lasts about that long. So we'll leave that for my, I'll come back to it in one second. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this and this. And you keep boasting and all this stuff is evil. He's like, but if, if anyone, here you go, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, that's sin for them. I don't need to define sin. We know that. Like wrong, bad, evil. So the title is the good you ought to do. And this is a closing. So Kayla, you can come on up here. Or somebody to do sweet nothings. One of you. Anyway. Um, the point is that we aren't God. That's the whole point of this whole section. He's saying, I'm God. You're not. And it's actually a really, really good thing that that's the case. And quite a relief, I might add, if we can let that actually sink in. He's not wanting you to fix everything. He's not wanting you to fix almost much of anything. But he's given you some to fix about that much we'll get back to that we have way less con- so i have two takeaways from this 
Because we always want to do God's job, and he's trying to remind us that you don't have to. You shouldn't. You can't. You can't. You're limited. You're sinful. You have all these other desires. You do bad things. That's, that's how your mind works, and you're corrupted. And so don't think that you can just do my job or be me, because you're not. You're completely different. And, and compared to God, we're just like that. You know? And keep in mind that is still a thing. I'll, I'll get back to that. But there's two takeaways from this that I hope you hear as um, I hope you're here as, as freeing as I mean them because they're going <laughs> to I can say things in a way that sounds negative and I don't mean it negative these are two takeaways All right, one is this we have way less control over our lives than we think like way less you get reminded of this when a hurricane shows up or when there's a pandemic and things happen that aren't in your control, and then the list of things that you thought you could control that you can't, you realize where you actually stand. The whole point of this whole verse, these verses, is he try, God's trying to tell you, he's like, hey, reminder, yo, that's it. Three, four, I mean, that's a whole, you know, it's not much. And you have very little control over just about anything, okay? The good news is God has control over things, and we are important to him. See, God is infinite, and he's the only one who has the capacity to love us, even if we're just this. <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to this. And he's a good father. And then the, the, second, the second takeaway, the first takeaway, we have less, way less control over our lives than we think. The second takeaway is this. We have way more control over how we respond than we think. In Christ, we're not all just victims. We are strengthened and renewed to change things. We're, he calls us light into darkness, things like that. But we follow Jesus' example of even giving up his life for those around him, which is what we're going to celebrate here. The good you ought to do. The thing, the thing about mist, this mist here, is this is a thing. He's using it as an example. He's not saying, you're stupid. He's not saying you don't you don't matter. Relatively speaking, he's saying you don't matter very much compared to God. But logically, that should be obvious. Like if God is real, if God is infinite, God is all powerful. God is all good, completely loving, all these things. Do you think you matter a whole lot compared to that? But because God is all of those things, even though we are just this. He has the capacity to love us ultimately. Like, God says, I care about that. I care about every bit of it. To the point that I even know every single hair you have on your head. That's in the Bible. I'm not just making that up to be it's a funny illustration. That's true. You know? And of course he does because he's all-knowing. But he actually cares. He loves and cares about every hair on your head. He cares about every worry you have at night when you can't sleep even though you're just this. That doesn't change that. That doesn't make the world revolve around you. He's the only one who loves like that. Him and a short list of other people, and their love is not the same. It's not the same level because they're just the same as you and me. But in the scheme of the timeline of the world that God's created, and you and I show up like, boom, we live for a second, and somebody else shows up, boom, and then, and then, you see what I mean? 
There's other people in this mist right here. It's not that many. I mean, I've read studies about things, about the kind of meaningful relationships we can have with people. But I'll give you the short list. It's obviously the people you're closest around. Your family and people you're working with. The people that your friends. I mean, like there's a small group of people where your interaction with them starts to bear sort of a resemblance to the kind of love that God has for you, even though you're just a mist. Am I making sense here? Your fellow mist people. <laughs> There's a special thing there. And that's the good we ought to do. The real realization of, I'm not God, you're not God. God is going to worry about God's problems. He wants us to give them to Him. Now, He wants us to spend our time with the missed people and the missed things because that's all he's given us to do. And I was talking with Jeff this week about some of these concepts, just they were, when him and I talk, it kind of moves around a lot. And he reminded me of, he reminded me of the last message he spoke here. And he had a card. He actually texted me a photo of it. And it had a couple points. And there are two points. Very, these aren't, they're just points to remember. The first one was he was leaving us. He was leaving us as a pastor saying, like, hey, guys, remember this stuff. And one of them was against all hope, have hope. Or kind of like against anything that comes in your life, because of Jesus, we can hope. Okay? And the second one was all about community, which is the mist. Okay? He was defining it as reaching out to other people around us, all of them, not just the fun ones. And when doing it, be real. Because the fake you ain't, is not, like, it's worth even less than the mist. Like, it's not even real mist. The other thing was that the mess is okay. Because, like I said earlier, and we have a testimony, like, in Jack and Laurie's life, life is not always, like, clean. It can be a mess. It's going to be a mess. And when God gets involved, it's just different mess, but it doesn't go away. And the mess is okay. And that we have the ability, like I said, we have way more, we don't have control over our lives, we have way more control over how we respond. Make Jesus the Lord of everything. And then let the chips fall where they fall. And in that, he said that you could sow diversity and reap unity. Reaching out to people that aren't the same as us. And you can fill in the blank however you want with that. Um, it's necessary. And so I'm going to challenge us I know this is a strange message in one sense, but since it's the fifth Sunday and we're talking about maybe bigger concepts of, I want to encourage you to make your mist of a life count, okay? And most of that is going to be in very small ways to the people around you that are changing the world to them and are changing the world to us. And if we all do that, it changes the world. But we don't have to start with God's side of it, we need to let Him worry about that. And the best example that I have of what this looks like is what Jesus, who is God, did when He came 2,000 years ago to live among us. He gave His life up for us. And that's the model we have to follow, and that's how we're going to close this service. Byron, if you come up here, Byron is going to lead us in the celebrating of the Lord's Supper, which is the communion. It's the representation of that Jesus gave us to celebrate his death on our behalf. 
And I want to invite you to the table to take it, and that's how we're going to close the service. I'm going to hand it off to Byron. I'm not going to attempt to spell anything. I don't, I, I don't have any slides. Uh, yeah, it, it, it messes me up all the time on, on text messages with the autocorrect. Um, this is a great way to, uh, to finish out our service uh, today. And in the midst of all the, the chaos and all the stuff that we see going on around us, and maybe even in our own lives, in our own homes, um, we come back to this this anchor, this bedrock, uh, where Jesus, uh, on the night that he was betrayed, uh, gathered with his uh, his twelve disciples in the upper room, and in preparation for him going to the cross and then ultimately being resurrected and ultimately then ascending back into heaven, um, Jesus reoriented these, these Jewish minds, the, these individuals uh, in relation to the Passover meal and gave some of the elements a, a, new, a new meaning, uh, a fulfilled meaning, as it were. And um, what we have here before us is, is just bread and, and the fruit of the vine juice. Um, but it becomes something much more than that when we uh, come before the Lord and we allow his Holy Spirit to enter into the process and enter into uh, our lives in a significant way. And I would just remind you, uh, if, if you were to go and, and want to read about this, uh, Paul has a, a great, uh, very brief description in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, you can, can go and read this at some point. But uh, if you follow through with that, Paul notes that uh, we are to partake of this uh, in remembrance of him. So there, there's a backward look. We, we look back to the cross. We look back to everything that, that God has done uh, to reveal himself to us and then to bring us to him when we don't have any way to make it there on our own. And then there's a, there's a forward look. Uh, Paul said that he was instructed that uh, whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, we, we do so uh, looking forward to his return. We do this until he comes again, Maranatha. And, um, and then he, he kind of concludes the section there when he talks about not partaking in a in an unworthy sort of uh, fashion. Not that any of us can be sinless, but uh, our hearts need to be in the right place. And so uh, there's an inward look. And he says you should examine yourselves. Uh, take stock of what's going on in your life, a, a spiritual inventory. And so as we prepare to uh, partake of these elements, um, I want you to, to have that in mind uh, as uh, Jesus leads us uh, through this, as he invites you to his table. And um, I'm just going to ask uh, James and Angela if uh, the two of you would come up here and help. Uh, Linda and I will 
uh, will be over here on the other side. Um, but I would just remind you that on the night that uh, Jesus met with his disciples, he took the bread and he, and he broke it. scripture says that on that night that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and he said to his disciples, to his followers take eat this is my body which is for you and in just a moment as we invite you to come and to share we'll ask you to do that in that spirit and then he says the cup in a similar fashion is now uh, the New Testament, the New Covenant in my blood. Uh, and as you partake of that, uh, you do so in remembrance of Him. And so I invite you just to come, and uh, you can come to either uh, side of the, uh, uh, the stage here and receive. And uh, as you do, we're going to be asking God to, uh, to be speaking to you in a meaningful sort of way through this, um, through this time of uh, not ritual, but uh, of remembering as, uh, as God speaks to us through these elements. For those of you who uh, would feel more comfortable with it, we also have the prepackaged little uh, uh, containers that have a wafer in the top and the juice in the bottom. Uh, you may want that for some of your children or whatever, but uh, we'll leave that to you. Let me just pray real quickly. Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you love us unconditionally, just like we are. And Lord, that's why you came. That's why you died. That's why you willingly shed your blood, had your body broken. And Lord, that's why you were buried, and then you rose again on the third day. And Lord, that's why you give us the blessed hope of looking forward to the time that you will come and you will make all things right. You'll change everything in this world. There will no longer be any suffering, any sickness, any death, any pain, uh, any heartache. Lord, all those things that we are challenged by, Lord, we can uh, put our hope and our trust in you that you're going to make it all well. And so right now, Lord, just be with us as we partake of these elements. And Lord, let uh, them be meaningful to each one on an individual basis. We love you in advance for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Come as you would uh, this morning. <laughs> 